For the last few weeks, we found ourselves in a small series inside of a big one. And um, this will be the 26th message of the series. And according to my view, I believe we'll preach about two more. We'll be done. I believe we'll preach about two more. Bittersweet, I know. Um, uh, but the Lord has already placed two messages upon my heart in chapter 50. And so um, we'll conclude the series of the life of Joseph on those two messages if the Lord doesn't change the direction from here. But over the course of the month of September, we have been preaching on the thought of, dis, of, of di- disqualified, distinguished, different, and dead. Disqualified, distinguished, different, and dead. We've preached three parts, and tonight, if the Lord will allow us, we will conclude this thought and preach the fourth part of it. And we'll preach on the part that is dead in our text, okay? And we know that to be the partridge old Jacob. Jacob's dead, and uh, we've preached on his upcoming death, and, and the, the songs tonight went perfectly along with how the Lord would allow us. To, but I believe just a short recap would remind us, then we'll read our text. Um, remember, some were disqualified. Some were disqualified. Some were disqualified only because of their sin. Only because of their sin, they were disqualified. Not, not disqualified from going, but they were disqualified from gaining in the kingdom. Amen? And so that, I mean, we could type that all the way down to um, the judgment seat of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Where we're not going to be disqualified from going to heaven, but we'll be disqualified from gaining some things when we get there. And so that's some different thing. And those four were Reuben and Simeon and Levi and Dan. And then there were some who were distinguished. There were some who were distinguished, and those some were, were distinguished there uh, were in, in the future by the Father. They could go and they could gain. I mean, as simple as that. To put it in just layman's terms, those men were Judah. They were Zebulun. They were Issachar. They were Gad. They were Asher. They were Naphtali. And they were Benjamin. There was those that were, that were disqualified. And then there was one that was different. And we know that, of course, to be none other than Joseph himself. He was different. And we found, uh, of course, that that's who that was. And out of all the brethren, not just out of the brethren, but out of the whole Bible, none of them, no person other than Joseph in the Bible, no person surpassed being a closer type and rep- representation of Jesus Christ in our Bible besides Joseph. And so he's the closest type of the Savior. And um, uh, John G. Butler put it that he, there was 101 types. He may stretch that a little bit. I've read them, but there's 101 types of Joseph and Jesus in the Bible. And there is. There is a lot of them. I ain't going to say there's 101, but there is a lot of them. But now we come to the concluding part of our mini-series, There Was One Dead. It was one dead, and I want to read our text tonight as I preach on the thought, disqualified, distinguished, different, and dead. I'm going to preach that last part, part four, and I'm going to read our text tonight, and we're going to read all the way down for, I like to go verse by verse in Scripture, and eventually if the Lord leads on my heart, we're going to go through a few Bible, through, 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 uh, through a few books in the Bible, and uh, I think it's a, a right way. Right now we're going, you know, to, uh, person to person, and and stuff like that, like we just started on Sunday night there on Jesus. And uh, I think that was a blessing, and the Lord helped us on that. But I like to read all the way down to verse number, um, let's see, read down to verse number 13 or 14 um, there in verse chapter number 50. You don't have to stand. We'll reverence the Word of God together. The Bible says all these are the 12 tribes of Israel. 
And this is the act that their father spake unto them and blessed them. Everyone according to his blessing, he blessed them. And he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite. In the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham brought, bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite for possession of a burial place, burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife. And there I buried Leah. Ironic that he buried Leah there. I, I mean, it's just ironic to me. Verse 32, The purchase of the field and of the cave that is therein was from the children of Heth. And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. Chapter 50, verse 1. And Joseph, I believe it's continual here. By the way, the separations of chapters are not inspired, by the way. I believe they're, they're the Bible. I believe it's okay, but I, don't believe, I believe a lot of times it's a continual. For instance, Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse 28 through, verse, through, through chapter um, 11, I believe all that's continual. And I believe Isaiah chapter number 52, verse number 13 through Isaiah chapter number 53, I believe it's a continual passage. And so verse number, 50, verse number 1, chapter 50, And Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. I believe that would be a better place for it to end for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, But I'm not the writer of the Bible, and I believe the King James Bible is perfect and entire. Amen. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed Israel. And forty days were fulfilled for him, for so as are fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him threescore, ten days, seventy days. And when the days of his mourning were passed, Joseph spake unto the House of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die in my grave, which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan. There shalt thou bury me. Now therefore let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. Pharaoh said, Go up and bury thy father according as he made thee swear. And Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him, he, with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt. And all the house of Joseph and his brethren and his father's house, only their little ones and their flocks and their herds, they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. There came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond, beyond Jordan, and there they mourned with a great and very sore lamentation. And he made a mourning for his father seven days. And when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning in the floor of Atad, and they said, This is the grievous mourning to the Egyptians, wherefore the name of it was called Abel, Abel Mizraim, which is beyond Jordan. And his sons did unto, unto him according as he commanded them. For his sons carried him into the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah, which, is Abraham, which Abraham bought with the field for possession of, of burying place of Ephron the Hittite before Mamre. And Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brethren, and all that went up before, with him to bury his father after he had buried his father. Let us pray. Lord, bless the reading of the word tonight. We pray, God, you'd have your will and your way. We'll love you and we'll thank you for all that you do. And we ask you, God, to please, Lord, bless the service, bless the preaching 
pray, God, that nothing would bring glory unto me, but only you alone. We love you in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, God, you direct the, 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 the hearers of this, that you would direct the, the ways of this and how this comes out, Lord. Let it come out and how you would see it. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we've seen the parts of the, those who were distinguished. We've seen the parts of those who were disqualified. And we've seen the part of the one who was different. And now we've come to the part of the one who is dead. Jacob the partridge, Jacob the third partridge, Jacob the one who has come from Abraham to Isaac unto Jacob is now dead. Jacob is dying in verse 28 and he's dying in verse 29, uh, 30, 31 and 32 and then he's dead in chapter 33. That proves to me it's a very fast thing and it does take place in each person's life. Amen. And we'll find out in a few weeks that Joseph is once as well going to die. And um, I want you to notice four points here, and I'll be done tonight quickly. Verse no, point number one, I want you to notice the descendants of Jacob's house. Verse 28, the Bible says, All these are the twelve tribes of Israel. And this is that, that their father spake unto them and blessed them, everyone according to his blessing. He blessed them. And so his descendants received some things as we have been looking at for the last three weeks. They received some blessings for the future ages. And I want you to notice a few of those. Uh, and number one, they received blessings. I know it's simple. I know it's just what I'm going to do. The Bible says, and he blessed him, blessed them. He blessed them. We've read through those and some of the things as we have preached uh, through uh, this was a bit confusing. I understand that, but I'm thankful that the Lord allowed us to break them down in small pieces and see what they were. There's much that come out of this, and I believe that. Uh, But some is still to come in the millennium, in the further reign of Christ as He comes back but also when Israel would become the nation leading to Christ, and that's what we've learned up in this. And so they received blessings. Secondly, some received benevolence. Now the Bible says very clearly charity and benevolence. Some received benevolence. Now the Bible says everyone according to their blessing, He blessed them. Everyone according to their blessing, you bless them. So this statement simply tells us, as we know, that all did not receive the same blessing. Would you agree on that? The seven that were seen with, were distinguished uh, were given benevolence in their blessing. They were given something good in their blessing. And the future was very bright for them as it seems. And so I want you to note and think about is that we must remember that all will be judged. Amen. Every man will be judged from lost to saved will be judged one day. There are two separate times of judgment. We know it as the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne of judgment. There is going to be a great white throne of judgment and it's going to be very great. But the one who's sitting on it will be much greater. Amen. And so there is a great white throne of judgment. We will not be there to be judged, but I believe we will be there. And so I believe there will be a great uh, judgment seat of Christ, uh, which is considered to be the Bema seat, uh, which is considered to be in the Greek terms the Bema seat. It is in the Greek term uh, 
when they would sit upon the high throne in the Greek games uh, and they would judge those who either won the game or were bad at the games or good at the games. Uh, it is the Bema seat. It set higher than anything. You could get good from that seat. The trophies were handed out from the seat. The crowns were handed out from the seat of the Bema. And, but also uh, the ones who were being judged into prison or killed or anything would also be judged at the Bema seat. And so that is the Bema seat of Christ as well. 1 Corinthians in chapter number 3, I would like to read a few verses there just for uh, absolute sake so we could get it. Yeah, in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 12, uh, the Bible says, Now if any man building on this, build up on this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. So we know there is the three good things and three bad things. There's wood, hay, stubble, it'll burn up in the fire. There's gold, silver, precious stones, which will not burn up in the fire. Verse number 13, Every man's work shall be made manifest. It means it shall be shown. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's Work of what sort it is. Uh, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Uh, but if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And so there we are. There, there we are considering the bema seat of the of Christ. And, and so it was with the sons of Jacob here is that they did not all received the same reward. Uh, some, uh, it didn't mean they didn't get to go. Everybody's understanding that, right? Uh, but they did not gain anything from it. Uh, they were disqualified. Uh, and that will be the same way when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, if you're standing at the judgment seat of Christ, uh, you will be going to heaven. Amen? Amen? It's just as simple as that. You will be going to heaven. Verse 15 says that they'll still be saved, yet so as by fire. But there will be works that will be tried in the fire and they will be burnt up. God help us. Amen. God help us when we get to the judgment seat of Christ. Some receive benevolence and some receive bad. We read of those who received uh, bad rewards, if you will, their blessings. It says very clearly in that verse, uh, it says, And everyone according to their his blessing, the, he blessed them. Everyone according to his blessing... He blessed them. We've seen and read about the ones who were disqualified and then those that were distinguished. The, the ones that were disqualified, which were Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Dan, didn't mean they did not get a place. It did not mean that they did not have a place there. Reuben, we know Reuben, he landed on the, he landed on the western side of the Jordan. He, la- he didn't cross over the Jordan. He landed on the other side. But we read of those who simply because of sin, simply because of sin, we're disqualified from the blessings of the Father. Friend, I tell you, God help us when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ to help us uh, to receive benevolence rather than bad, rather than burdens, rather than the bad blessings. And and sin is the hinge of our blessings as we have just read. It is the hinge of it. Amen. And so we see the descendants of Jacob's house. Secondly, I want you to notice the demand of Jacob handed out. Verse 29, the Bible says, And he charged them and said unto them, I am to be buried, be gathered unto my people. Bear me with the followers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite. And we could read on, but we're not going to. And so this was not something that was a choice. It was, a, it was charged unto them. Therefore, as a command. 
And so notice a few things of this command here tonight. It could be a pleasant command. It could be a pleasant command. Now, I, he said, I am to be gathered to my people. I am going to be gathered to my people. He knew, uh, although it may separate him from those who are alive, uh, it would also join him uh, with those who had already passed on. Isn't that a blessing? Uh, it would also join him with those that had already passed on. And friend, uh, I don't think we want to leave the ones that we have here. I thought. I think if we were to take up uh, some type of, uh, of, of piece of paper that said, I want to die today, none of you would probably say, you wanted to die today. But I tell you, friends, is that we have a promise. We do. As we see in 1 Thessalonians in chapter number 4 and verse number 13, but I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. We have a glorious promise. Hey, we don't have to stand up here. We don't have to preach our funeral. We ought to preach our funeral, but we don't have to stand up there and say, oh my, they've went on to be with the Lord. Oh my, they've, we've, I'm sorry for your loss. You cannot lose something if you know where it is. And I know where my loved ones are. I know where they've been. And we have hope that if they are saved, we will see them again. And if we're saved, it could be a pleasant man. Secondly, it could be a pleased man. Now the Bible says, secondly, in that part, uh, it says, I am to be gathered in my people. Bear me with a father, my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephraim the Hittite. And so it could be a pleased command. Uh, bear me with my fathers. As he gave this command, uh, he remembered the past. He looked back and he's seeing uh, what had took place there. Maybe uh, he found himself pleased uh, with the fact that he could be buried with his grandpa Abraham uh, or with his grandma Sarah. Or maybe he could be pleased with the fact that he could be buried with his father Isaac uh, and with his mother Rebecca. And there he was. And maybe he would be... He was pleased to say uh, that he made it to the land of promise. You understand that? Uh, uh, you know, maybe he was thankful that his family stuck with it uh, and didn't change when everybody around him was changing. Uh, that his family stuck with the things uh, and he could be pleased. Uh, and he gained their plot in the land of Canaan and he could be buried there too. Maybe it was a pleasing command. But then also uh, maybe uh, it could have been uh, a promising demand. Now, uh, we must understand that Canaan uh, is the inheritance of his seed. The seed of Jacob, this is their inheritance. The promised land. Canaan, where he's going to be buried. And so that's his promised land. And when the time comes, whenever that may be, that will be their promised land. And I believe, I know he knew that. And it was their promised land. And he is... Very specific on the location and the ownership of this field too. He goes on to tell in the cave that is the field of Mechpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron. He tell, bought, 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 bought the field of Ephron, the Hittite for possession place, a burying place. 
And so he tells, he's very specific about the location, the ownership of that land. Uh, and maybe as a reminder to his children as he's sitting there on his deathbed, uh, he, maybe he knows and he's saying, hey listen, uh, when things get hard, uh, when all of this is going to come to pass, uh, when you're going to, he didn't know, but when you're going to uh, go through the promised land and you're going to go through that Red Sea uh, and the Egyptians are going to be chasing you from behind uh, and you come out in the wilderness, uh, when all of this takes place, just remember there is a land for you. Uh, there is something for you. Uh, and I think to the times, and this ain't in my notes, but I think to the times uh, where I've come to a hard time in my life, uh, a place in my life where I did not feel uh, like I was saved. You know, I don't always feel like I'm saved. Uh, but when I did not feel like I was saved, uh, or did I, I, I did not know uh, about this and what was going to come to next, uh, what was going to come next, uh, but I could look ahead and I could look back. And I could think about the time when God had told me that I was saved. When God had done what He promised He would do. When all of the things that had come to pass was getting hard. I could remember that God had promised before. God had provided before. God had purchased me before. And things had not been changed since then. And so He could have been buried. I'm thinking He could have been buried in the amazing tombs of Egypt. He could have been in there. And, uh, you know, I believe Jacob was a respected man in Egypt. Uh, by the way, he was the uh, the father of Joseph, uh, the prime minister. Uh, and I believe he was a respected man. Uh, and he could have been buried in the beautiful places, uh, the beautiful tombs that Egypt carried. Uh, and he could have been buried like a Pharaoh there in Egypt. Uh, but rather, he liked to be carried uh, to the cave, uh, back to where the father's possession was, uh, back to where all of that had taken place because Canaan was their land, the promised land. Friend, heaven is the promise to the saints of God. And I am saying to you tonight, press on. Heaven's soon coming, friend. The descendants of Jacob's house, the demand of Jacob, Jacob handed out. Thirdly, I want you to notice the death of Jacob hallowed. The Bible says in verse 33, And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed, yielded up the ghost, and was gathered into his people. And so before he died, he had some things he needed to finish first. And I'm not saying the Lord will give you more time before to finish something, okay? So don't take me wrong. I'm not saying the Lord would do that. But clearly, in the case of Jacob, he, he, he was able to finish some things. And I want you to notice a few things. I want you to notice he finished the last blessing. Isn't that amazing? When you think about it, he could have died, he could have died just a few minutes, just ten minutes earlier. And he wouldn't have been able to give Benjamin his blessing. He could have died 20 minutes earlier and he wouldn't have been able to give Asher his blessing or Gad his blessing or Naphtali his blessing or Joseph his blessing. Maybe he could have died 30 minutes earlier and not been able to give uh, a Judah or Zebulun his blessing. Or maybe he would have died two hours earlier and not been able to give any of them his blessing. See what I'm saying there? But here he was and the last blessing was given to Benjamin. And the, who were the youngest before he died? Spurgeon said it something like this. Spurgeon said, Jacob did not yield all up the ghost until he had delivered the last sentence of admonition and benediction to his twelve sons. He was immortal till his work was done. So long as God had another sentence to speak by him, death could not paralyze his tongue. And I believe that. I believe that. He was writing the Word of God out. 
about that. Amen. The last blessing was given before he died. Then the last breath was finished. The last breath was finished. Think about the legacy. Think about a nation. All of the Israel, all of Israel hinged on the decisions of this man throughout the years. Uh, I mean, the leadership of this man, the impact of this man, uh, and in his dying breath with his family all around him, the partridge Jacob went home to be with those who had passed on before him. You know, after although Jacob died, the work did not end. It continued through men he raised. Is that right? How will your life be at your final breath? Will it be in peace? Will it be in torment? For Jacob, he gathered up his feet and he gave up the ghost. I mean, God help us to raise our children to continue in the things of God as well. Amen. Let me ask you a few questions. When you die, your children will your children even come to church? Will they even worship God anymore? Have they seen mom and daddy live it enough? To know that it's real? I mean, where will your children be after your last breath? A good question. Sobering question. It's a good question. I'm telling you tonight. You ought to consider it. You ought to consider it. Where will your children be? If your children aren't in church now, they probably won't be in church after you die either. But somebody's got to carry it out, friend. Somebody's got to carry the old time way. There's men of God dying left and right. Who's going to fill their shoes? Right? Brother Mary Axon died about two months ago. Man of God. Brother Sammy Allen died about a year ago, two years ago. I mean, all I'm saying is that there's so many men of God who have stood the fight, who have kept the faith, uh, who have finished their course, and then who's going to fill their shoes? There's so much going about, friend. It was a hollowed event. For their children now. Because he knew as he had just blessed them. That every single one of them. Would carry out some kind of legacy for him. It's amazing friend. It's amazing. Lastly I want you to notice. Not only the descendants of Jacob's house. That a man Jacob handed out. And the death of Jacob's hallowed. I want you to notice lastly. Verses 1 through 14. We're not going to go through them completely. But I want you to know the desires of Jacob heeded. So this was something led by Joseph. Very clearly. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians. So it was something led by Joseph. And he was already told prior to the gathering around the bedside, right? Remember back in Genesis chapter number 47, verse 28, and Jacob lit, no, verse 29, and the time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son Jacob and said, Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thine hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. But I will lie with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt and bury me in thy bur- their burying place. And he said, I will do as thou hast said. And he said, Swear unto me, and he swear unto him. And Israel bowed himself, himself upon that bed's head. And so here he was. He had already been told that the demands that Jacob uh, handed out here had to be heeded. They had to be understood. They had to be heeded. And they had to be carried out. And so the work had to be done. Notice a few things with me, and I'll be done. I want you to notice Jacob's respect in Egypt. Verse 1 through verse 3. Let me just read verse 3. And forty days were fulfilled for him. For so are fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed. And the Egypt, Egyptians mourn for him three score and ten days. So as has already been noted, Jacob was a respected man. 
Even Egypt mourned his death. How about that? For 70 days. And by the way, this was just a lowly shepherd. Right? This was just a lowly shepherd. And we can find in Scripture, I wish I could remember where it was, uh, um, but we can find in Scripture, it's in Genesis, where, where the Egyptians could not. I think it's in chapter 50. The Egyptians could not. They didn't like the shepherds. It was an abomination to them. Did you know that? But here they are. And at the end of this life, they're mourning the death of a shepherd for 70 days. Let me ask you this question. Will you leave an impact on the people of your community around you? Will you leave an impact? Now, I want to read something to you. I want to read something to you right here. Everybody knows I got back from Scotland. I come from Scotland. There was a man by the name of Robert Annan. I got to visit his tomb. And um, right outside of his tomb, you can see right as you walk inside the gate there of that church, St. Peter's Church, you can walk right inside the gate. And on the ground, there's this little stone about this big. And it says eternity. On a little farther is Robert Annan's grave. And it's standing there and it's fenced around. And it's absolutely in ruins because they could care less about those who have left a legacy. Well, let me, let me read to you something real quick. On Wednesday, 24th of July in 1867, Robert was standing on a raft floating on the River Tay. River Tay, I was there. And suddenly he felt the presence of God so near that he bowed his head in awe. He understood this present experience as an intimation that his own death was near. So he told Christian friends, don't wonder if you hear some strange thing about me one of these days. Over the years, Robert had saved 11 people from drowning in the River Tay, including his brother Ebenezer and a poor prostitute who was con- contemplating suicide. And in recognizing of this, the, these heroic exploits, Dundee, who, that's where I was at, that's where I stayed, Dundee Humane Society had presented him with a silver medal and a parchment. The Lord's Day morning, 28th of July, found him at his usual preaching stance in Cody's Wind. He began the unofficial service by singing forever with the Lord. Amen, so let it be. During the sermon, he referred to his experience on the raft. He told his hearers what a great salvation they missed by living without Christ and reminding them of the uncertainty of life. In fact, he added, I may never have an opportunity of preaching to you before next Sunday. I may be in heaven. And after this, he went to the church service, then to a gypsy, gypsy camp in the afternoon. Early in the evening, he preached again at Lily Bank in Cody's Wind before returning to the gypsies to sing and preach again. On Wednesday, the 31st of July, he rose early for prayer, ate breakfast, and then did something very unusual. He hung two boards outside of his house reminding passerbys of two roads through this life, one a broad road leading to hell, the other a narrow road leading to heaven. He concluded where with a solemn question, where will you spend eternity? He then took a piece of chalk and wrote it on his gate, the word death, and on the pavement, eternity. And at about a midday, a boy of 11 fell into the river Tay. Hearing his cries for help, Robert dived in to save him, he reached the boy, told him to hold on to his neck, then set out for the shore. But the current proved too strong for him, strong swimmer though he was. Two boats pulled out to help, 
But as they grabbed the boy, Robert disappeared underwater. His death was seen as a public calamity. Thousands wept as if they had lost a brother. Groups stood at street corners bemoaning the, bemoaning the event. Even strong men turned away their faces to hide their tears. Said one of them, I, I question if ever there was so much weeping for one man in this town. The mood was as if someone had died in each household. On Saturday 3rd, August the, 8th, I mean, August the 3rd, 1867, Robert's body was laid to rest in the east Decropolis. The great bell of the old steeple tolled solemnly an honor never before accorded to a, a laboring man. A short service was held in the button bin in Aaron Place off Wellington Street. I was on that street where the 90th Psalm was read along with the hymn Robert had already chosen for his funeral. Come sing to me of heaven when I'm about to die. Sing songs of old ecstasy to waft my soul on high. The minister then prayed, say, standing on the eternity stone. Thousands lined the route to the grave, and 600 men marched behind the hearse. At the graveside, a thousand voices broke into the hymn, My Jesus, I love thee, I know that thou art mine. For thee, on the pleasures of sin, I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou, if ever I love thee, my Jesus, till now. The following Lord's Day, a memorial service was held in Hilltown Chapel, but as nearly 3,000 people attended, the congregation moved to a nearby field. During the sermon, the minister said of Robert, he died as he had lived, helping others. So Robert Annan had died, and on that, last, on that last week, he left there on his stone eternity. And they carved it out, the chalk that he had laid there, they carved it out, they carved out that piece of stone and put it in the stone in front of his grave, where it says eternity in his direct handwriting, and it says eternity. And I tell you something, it's very important is that he left a legacy behind him. He left a legacy. He was a, he was a shouting, I mean, he was a preacher, son. He was a preacher, phenomenal preacher. But he left a legacy behind. You know what his legacy was? His legacy was that he, Jesus came to save sinners. Simple as that. He came to save sinners. And if we do not leave a legacy behind of being some type of preacher of the gospel, being some type of something for the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you tell me what have we really done? What have we really done? We've done nothing. Joseph's respect in Egypt. Once you notice, I mean, Jacob's respect in Egypt. Secondly, I want you to notice Joseph's reverence in Egypt. I'll be quick. Verse 4 through 6 tells us that Joseph went and asked Pharaoh the people of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said yes. So it tells me, to me, I find this intriguing because Joseph, that Joseph would ask of Pharaoh if it was okay. That shows Joseph revering the position of, of that place. And then I want you to notice the family's route to Canaan. Verse 7 through verse 11, I won't read them. The family's route to Canaan, it was a long one. From what I have found... This journey was a 300-mile journey. It was a 300-mile journey to bury Jacob from Goshen, Egypt, to Canaan's land. It was a route reaped with respect. We read it in verse number 11. And that when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning in the floor of Atad, they said, This is a grievous mourning to the Egyptians. Wherefore, the name of it was called abel Mizraim, which is beyond Jordan. So 
So you're so, so it was a it was it was this shows the respect of Jacob. As even the Canaanites wept there. And this was the final partridge, if you will. I mean, you got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, partridges of the faith. And the family was willing to tra- travel miles if they needed to. 300 miles walking. Do you think they put him on a car and carried him? They, they, it was something else. The family's route to Canaan. Lastly, I want you to notice, and I'm done. I want you to notice the final rest of Jacob. Where the Bible says in verse 12, And his sons did unto him according as he commanded them. For his sons carried him into the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of field of Mechpelah, which Abraham bought with the field for a possession of a burial place of Ephron, the Hittite, before Mamre. So if we were to look back at this study, we would find many times where Jacob's boys disappointed him. But in his death, they were very careful to honor him. And he was buried right where he asked them to bury him. You know, I'd say his desires were heeded, wouldn't you? There's a lot we can learn, but as we come to a bittersweet part of our series here is that we found the death of Jacob. The death of Jacob, a partridge. His final words and his final plea. And he was honored and he was held at high esteem in Canaan and in Egypt. And my mind comes to this thought here this evening. What kind of testimony will you leave behind? What kind of testimony will you leave behind? No one remembered the Jacob before Christ. It never mentions the Jacob of tricks. It never mentions the Jacob of, uh, of being a deceiver, which is what his name means, trickster, his deceiver. But they remember, and Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed Israel. I could not tell you, but we could find out fast, but I do not see a time in chapter 50, where it says Jacob, but only Israel. They didn't remember the past, Jacob. The one who was a deceiver, the one who was a trickster. They remember the one that is the prince of God, Israel. The one that had had an encounter with God, two encounters with God. But the one that had that encounter, and the one who displayed godliness, the one who displays and rose, a man, rose men of God to carry out the plan of God. How about that? What will you leave behind? What will you leave behind? What will I leave behind? Will we leave behind something of, uh, of sorrow? Will we leave behind something of doubt? Will, when the preacher gets there at the end of the life and, and he's standing up there, whether it be me or anybody else, how hard will it be to preach your funeral? You know you can preach it yourself, right? Could that preacher stand up there and say, man, he was faithful. He'd do anything I asked him to do. Was he, he was a giver. He was selfless. Or was it the opposite? And I struggled with them. I couldn't, I couldn't do this with them. I couldn't do that with them. It was tough. i tell you one thing I hope to never do. I hope to never lie at a funeral. 
Amen. The Bible says very clearly, and I'm done. You can stand to your feet tonight. Hebrews chapter number 13. The Bible says, Obey them. This isn't just a me, okay? But obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. That's what the Bible says. It's unprofitable for you. Not for them. For you. It's very important to leave a legacy for our children. I mean a godly legacy. You know, I want my children to be twice the Christian I am. Really. I want my, my, want my kids to, to not have to go through half the thing I had to go through. I don't want my kids to, to, to have to, I mean, I mean, not to make half the mistakes I made. And not for it to take me as long as it did. I mean, I understand. I got saved at, at 15 years old, but I understand. But here's the thing is that I don't want my kids to wait that long. I want them to be able to serve God sooner. But I promise you, they can hear Daddy and Mama say it all day long. But until they see it, they'll not heed it. They'll not do it. They can hear it all day long, but they must see it. You must leave a legacy behind. You must leave something for the Lord. You must leave something for your children. It's very important. God help me. Amen. God help me too. I'm not preaching for the pulpit to the pew. God help me. Jacob left a legacy and raised his children right so that they could carry out the plan of God from generation to generation to generation to generation. You know what else took place? You look at the curses and read of the curses of those generations and you'll find out that they were cursed from generation to generation to generation to generation. Look at Noah's clan. You'll find they were cursed for five generations. Look at the Look at the clan of Esau. You'll find that they're still cursed. It's sad. You know who Esau was? Esau was the brother of Jacob. It's very, very serious. You know how long that we've had to fight against them? We're still fighting against them. You'll find it over in the Syrian armies. Of, of Esau. It's serious, guys. It's very important how we do now so that when they grow old and when they go up and when they get bigger, that they're seeing, they're being able to grow off of what they learned from Mom and Daddy. Very important. God help us tonight. Lord, we love you. We ask God to help us. Help me, Lord, to be able to be a pure example, prime example of Christianity, Lord, to my child, my children. Lord, help me, God, at home. Help me, God, out. Pray, God, you'd help us to shine your light in a dark and lost world. Love you so much, God. Help this message go through just as it would. Lord, I pray, God, that I said exactly what you want me to say tonight. Lord, and said it in a means of compassion, Lord. Help us, Lord. Lord, there was one who died. Lord, 
He left a legacy behind. Help us, God, to do the same thing for our children. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. Keep us safe in Jesus' name. Amen.